0: Do you want to be a better boss, a better leader, a better manager? Are you leading an organization and you want to create higher engagement? you want to make sure that your people not only stay on the job but rave about you? Well, those are the things that the Ken Blanchard companies can do. And one of the best things you can do is go to KenBlanchard.com and go to check out our tools and resources page. You can email us at podcast at KenBlanchard.com, and we really would like to know everything you're working on.
1: That's for sure because uh, we like – a leadership to be a we not me process and so join us and let's have some fun learning from each other
0: Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. And guys, I've been looking forward to this conversation for the for a really long time. We're gonna be talking about the simple truths of leadership, fifty-two ways to be a servant leader and build trust. And I am delighted to have Ken Blanchard and Randy Conley, the co authors of this new book, to join us. Welcome, guys.
1: Well, good. It's good to be with you always. Nice to be here, Chad. This is a real
0: pleasure. So this book is, uh, is is I love the way it's formatted. It's in bite-sized chunks. It's mm-hmm. 52. I almost see that as like one thing to focus on for a week and really get dialed in. What was it about putting this together and putting this on paper um, with Randy, Ken, that really got you excited?
1: Well, one of the things that was exciting for me is that uh, this book really summarizes and hits almost all the content areas that the Ken Blanchard Company has been known for and has been helping companies with. And that's really great. And and also as I started working on this, I realized that servant leadership is about building trust with people. And Randy has really taken that on as an area of expertise. So it's been fun to bring him as a co author. Mm -hmm. My my mother always said to me, you know, I've written over sixty five books and only two by myself. One on golf. You know, so many people (laughs) helped my golf game, I didn't know who to write it with and them my spiritual journey uh, because I'm a learner and so mm-hmm. it's been just great working mm-hmm. with Randy and learning uh, from him as a uh, one plus one is greater than, than two, that's for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we're going to dig into the the, the book. We're going to, obviously, we always like to kind of mechanize the learnings and so mm-hmm. people that are listening to this or watching this will have the opportunity to take some things away, but what was it like working with this guy?
2: It was a bucket list experience, Chad. You know, I've been working with Ken and here at the company for over 25 years. And, you know, this has been a dream come true. Ken and I first started talking about doing a book together maybe five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And we would tinker on it here and there, you know, do some work, put it on the shelf. Ken would get busy with another book or project. I'd get busy with other responsibilities. And uh, I think it was... Last year, about this time, Ken said, you know, let's just get serious about that and let's finish this up. And one thing led to another. We did it. And here we are today.
0: Yeah. I like the way it's, it's, it's broken down. So it really focuses on what I've always heard you say, Ken, you know, what you want to be your legacy is that of a servant leader yeah. and then your area of expertise mm-hmm. within trust. So Randy, I'll just kind of pose the first question to you to just to say, as you were looking through all of you know, all of the research that went into this, you've noticed some themes. What was, what was surprising to you as you started to, to dig into this book and, and put, put pen to paper?
2: It's really what we mention in the subtitle of the book, Making Common Sense, Common Practice. You know, Ken is a legend in taking complex leadership ideas, making them common practice? How do you boil those down to simple truths? And I had followed the same model in all my work on trust. You know, I had been writing my leading with trust blog for over 12 years now. And as we went back and looked at all the previous material he's worked on, all of the blogs that I've written, we kept coming back to that common sense of is not always common practice. How can we help people get there? And so we pulled a collection together of 52 simple truths because we really want people to take these, no accident that there's 52, one per week, and say, how can I apply this in my life as a leader, with my team, within my organization? That was really the genesis of how it came about. And
1: people like the format, uh, Chad, because on one page, it gives a concept like the key to developing people is to catch them doing something right. And the other page starts off by saying why people aren't doing it. So I'll ask people, how do you know whether you're doing a good job? And they'll say, "Uh, nobody's yelled at me lately. You know, (laughs) no news is good news. The number one leadership style is seagull management, where they fly in, make a lot of noise and fly out. And then we talk about at the end, at the bottom, it says making common sense, common practice, mm-hmm. and some ways that they can take this concept and put it alive. And so it's a really uh, easy format that people can do one a day or they could take a section of a, a mm-hmm. month or whatever and, and – uh, it's great for dialogue with your people,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I. Sh- I shared earlier. I really like the format. I love that. So let's dig into the book and okay. and I alluded to this a bit ago, Ken, about how this really mm-hmm. is. What I've always heard for you is 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 what you want your legacy to be of that mm-hmm. of a servant leader. So for our listeners, let's start digging into what we've learned when you think of servant leadership, when you think of how that can change the world and and even if the world is just your your little circle. The importance of servant leadership and and, and how to bring that to the forefront?
1: Well, to me, the the great leaders are there to serve, not to be served. They're there for their people. Uh, You can always tell an organization run by self-serving leaders because everybody's sucking up the hierarchy, (laughs) where uh, with servant leadership, there's really two parts of it. One is vision and direction and and goals, and values, and all, because leadership's about going somewhere, and that's the responsibility of the hierarchy. It doesn't mean you don't involve people and all, but if people don't know what they're being asked to do, and what good performance looks like, and what the values are, shame on you. But once that's done, then you turn the pyramid upside down, and now you're into the servant part of servant leadership, and you basically work for your people who work for their people, who eventually work uh, for the customers, and boy, that's so powerful when you, when you see it in operation.
0: Yeah, and Randy, there's so many different ways to look at servant leadership. Mm. Ken touched on a couple of them. When, when you think about all of the tips and all of the ways that, that people can enhance, what are, what's, what's some of your favorite ones that you really took to heart and looked at it in a different way because of your work with Ken?
2: Yeah, I would say one is trust is an outcome of being a servant leader because servant leaders have the best interests of their people at heart. They're always looking out for the best interests of their people. And when you do that, you cultivate trust in a relationship. And so trust is a, it's a both and situation with servant leadership. It's it, you have to extend trust as a servant leader, which requires you to take a risk, right? And when you do that, the outcome is even more trust with people. And so, uh, you know, one of our favorite endorsements that we got for the book was from John Gordon. Hmm. And John summed it up perfectly. He said, um, you don't have to be um, great to lead, but to be a great leader, you have to serve. And that goes part and parcel with servant leadership and trust. Yeah.
1: That really sums it up, you know, because uh, so many leaders think it's all about them rather than their people, and that's not going to build trust, and it's not going to keep people. It's interesting, you know, people are talking about all the people leaving companies now. I want to tell you, they're not leaving good bosses. Mm -hmm. They're not leaving Mm -hmm. places where they feel good about themselves. They're leaving places where they talk to their family at home about how awful it is. Because uh, then nobody has their opinion, and, mm-hmm. and it's all sucking up the hierarchy.
0: What do you, when you think about servant leadership, you know, what are some some of the key char- characteristics that you see, Ken?
1: Well, the biggest characteristic is uh, in your heart. You know, it's a it's a character issue, and the big question is, are you here to serve or be served? And so. That's that's where it all starts. Is it's it's an inside-out job, mm. you know. And then you can get to well, what does it mean, you know, in terms to to uh, in terms of your thinking and your beliefs. Well, I already talked about the two aspects of of the thing. And then, what does it mean when you operationalize it? Well, <laughs> it means that people really feel trusted and they go out of their way to to uh, go. I mean, I. Constantly use an example of Gary Ridge at WD 40, you know, who he was in uh, our first cohort of our master's degree program at the University of San Diego. And I talk about when I was a college professor for 10 years, I was always in trouble because I gave out the final exam the first day of class, and the faculty would say, What are you doing? And I'd say, I'm confused. they that say, yeah. I, said, I thought we were supposed to teach these kids. Yeah, but don't give them the questions in the final. <laughs> And I'd say, not only am I going to give them the questions, what do you think I'm going to do all semester, I'm going to teach them the mm-hmm. answers, because I want them to win. And and I think that's the big thing about putting it into work. You really want to be there to help your people win, that's for sure.
0: You know, Ken touched on on this, Randy, about how, you know, people don't typically leave um, mm-hmm. good bosses yeah. and, and good, you know, where they're really motivated and yeah. they're engaged. Mm-hmm. Where did you find some of the, 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 the ways that servant leadership can help a leader? Because let's really think about the, the listener right now. Let's think about the end user, what they can get away from this mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to create a motivating environment. How does servant leadership help you do that?
2: Well, as Ken was saying, uh, servant leaders have a heart's desire to serve. And as I mentioned earlier, they place the best interests of their people ahead of their own. And ironic, not ironically, paradoxically, when you do that, it actually makes your job as a leader a whole lot easier and more rewarding, Mm. right? So much of the challenge that leaders face day to day is we get in our own way. You know, We, we get so caught up in our ego, in our way of doing things, that it creates this mistrust with others. It creates these barriers with the people we're trying to influence. And if we can get ourselves out of the way, get our ego out of the way, put the needs of others ahead of our own, that's when the magic starts to happen. We start to see people flourish. We start to see them be engaged. They actually really like coming to work and being part of the team. So if we can get ourselves out of the way, check our ego at the door, you know, kin's loves the ego's anonymous process of, uh, you know, when he runs servant leadership workshops. Um, ego is the enemy of trust in many ways.
1: Yeah. That's, that's for sure. And if we can help people identify that, there's two ways your ego's getting in the way. One is false pride. When you have a <clears throat> more than philosophy, you think you're brighter than and, you know. And the other is fear of self-doubt, you know, where you think you're less than. And both of them, you're focused on yourself. And it's interesting that uh, the people who, with false pride, are really covering up not okay feelings about yourself. The guy who wrote, I'm okay, you're okay, years Mm -hmm. ago, said that the worst life position is I'm okay, uh, you're not, and said all the research shows that those people were really covering up not okay feelings about themselves. And so uh, servant leaders are very comfortable with who they are as a result, they can mm-hmm. help bring out the best in other people.
0: I always find it interesting having these conversations with the authors. You know, they write it in kind of in their sphere of what they're experiencing that time. Mm-hmm. And and I would imagine, you know, you you, you both spoke about how uh, this really caught fire and traction to get mm-hmm. moving um, during the summer of COVID. And yeah. here we are towards the end of 2021, yep. and we hear a lot of, of uh you know, so much so about the great resignation mm-hmm. and people with, uh, with, with the mobility choosing to, to, to use that mobility. Uh, how, 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 have you, how is that lens that you, as you were writing this book, you know, thinking about how this book can help, whether it's organizations mm-hmm. or people, to either create a more engaging environment uh, or just really to help people um, stay and, and thrive and have organizations, you know, in such a tumultuous time um, keep their best people?
2: Yeah. You're correct. Uh, the book is to a large degree, a product of the times, you know, and it's also based on what I would say are universal principles of success that stand the test of any time. And, um, we see so much discord, you know, in culture today, there is so much, uh, me-against-you sort of behavior and dialogue happening. And just within the field of leadership, it's a, leadership is a complicated topic, right? But it, It's complex, but it doesn't have to be complicated, I should say. Leadership is a complex subject, but it doesn't have to be complicated. So we took the focus of how can we simplify that? How can we make it manageable? Any sort of model that you see out in the world, models exist to take complex topics and simplify them in a way that we can wrap our arms around them and learn from them and use them. And that's the approach we took with this, is hey folks, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, there's a lot of complicated issues we're dealing with, let's get back to some simple truths. These simple truths, if we learn these, practice these, they'll help us be successful.
1: And, you know, one of the ways, Chad, I think that this is really possible now is Zoom. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about being able to be mm-hmm. with your people and mm-hmm. all. Now you can be with them much more often, you know, than having to, you know, meet face-to-face, mm-hmm. particularly if you're supervising people that are of distance. And to me, Zoom is turned to be one of the positive aspects of the whole pen pandemic because I never even heard about zoom <laughs> <It's all laughs> that and now I'm zooming all over the place yeah, yeah. and uh, but I think uh, it, it means you can kind of zoom in and say how you doing today yeah. you know mm-hmm. is there anything I can do mm-hmm. to help you you know and and just informally stay in touch with people a lot better than having to meet face to face all the time yeah but you still should meet the face but you don't have to do it all the time.
0: Yeah, there's there's the opportunity for more connection points. I've seen mm-hmm. that being able to talk to more of my clients more readily than yep. making those face to face meetings. You would lose something in, mm-hmm. in 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 that close contact, but you have the opportunity to structure it in a different way. So, going to shift to trust in just a moment. But the last question I wanted to ask specifically around servant leadership, and this is one of those mechanizing questions. Um, I think people in general struggle with giving and receiving feedback. Yeah. I'd I'd say that's a fair assessment. Yeah. How. And, and, and in the book, you share that servant leaders um, ask for feedback. They want feedback. What are some tips that you could share that, uh, that can help people be, um, A, if you're giving it, B, be a little bit more, um, you know, less concerned about about uh, a potential disagreement, but then also receiving feedback, the ease at which, you know, the best leaders can take that feedback on and, uh, and, and not make it uh, combative? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: No, I think that uh, is the first way, I think, is when you get a position as a leadership, meet with your people and tell them what your expectations mm-hmm. are and how you like to operate, and, and that I want to have a philosophy of we. And, and with we, it's a give-and-take thing. And if I'm doing something that, that's disruptive, tell me. I, I need that feedback, and I will do it. And, and we need to do it not in a combative way, mm-hmm. but in saying you know, here's something I've noticed. I wonder if you noticed it too. Is there anything we could do uh, together? And so that, uh, uh, just make it. And when people give you feedback, the first thing you do is thank them uh, and not be defensive about it and say, God, I really appreciate it. Boy, I wouldn't have thought about that myself. Is there any other feedback here? And once people realize that way, say, wow, this is gonna be a fun team to be on because I can really express my opinions mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. not go and hide and say you know later on I'll talk about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I find it I find it so interesting um when you silently take the feedback and hear it and it's almost a, it it it's a little disarming to the person giving it cuz they're expecting um for you to to jump in and right. one of the best things you can do is just listen mm-hmm. and and really take it in
2: listening is such an underappreciated leadership skill, isn't it? You know, I mean, you talk about building trust. Listening is one of the most powerful behaviors you can engage in that build trust with others. Just simply listening. And that's a skill and an art form in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just add one more thing to what Ken was sharing about giving and receiving feedback is making the implicit explicit. Mm. You know, so often in our leader, uh, follower relationships, we just assume people know the rules of the game, Mm -hmm. right? And that's not a safe thing to do. So as Ken was saying, you know, when you meet with your team and you talk about how you're going to operate, how you want to give and receive feedback, be explicit, you know, so then no one is caught by surprise when you actually do that. They know the rules of Mm -hmm. the game. Mm
0: -hmm. So it's pivot to trust. Um, and, Without trust, I don't think you have much of any ability to do anything mm-hmm. in an organization, or in life, or in a relationship. Trust mm-hmm. is is really the foundation that I think most most good leaders stand upon. Absolutely, yep. So
2: it is the foundation. Um, and there's, I always find this really interesting because whenever I speak to groups about trust, I'll often ask this, this question. I'll say, "Raise your hand if you consider yourself untrustworthy." No one ever raises their hand, right? None of us think of ourselves as untrustworthy. Yet, I'll also ask a follow-up question. How many of you have experienced or are currently experiencing low trust in relationships? Almost everybody raises their hand. So how is it that none of us think we're untrustworthy, yet we experience trust gaps in our relationships, right? Yeah. We make mistakes. We're human. We goof up. Um, and most of the time when people erode trust, it's an unintentional you know, behavior that does that. But the key is trust is that lifeblood. It's the foundation for any healthy and successful relationship. And particularly when you're talking about servant leadership, if you don't have the trust of your people, you're not going anywhere. So uh, we just really advocate taking that time up front to establish that level of trust because that's the launching pad for everything you do from there.
1: I think mm-hmm. building on what Randy was saying earlier about the importance of listening is also saying thank you <laughs> and uh, tell me more, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, because that just, just sets it up uh, is that uh, we believe that none of us is as smart as all of us. And if that was your philosophy, you've got a good chance of being a good servant leader.
0: So, if somebody picks this book up and, and, uh, um, and if they're being honest with themselves that they weren't fully trusting at all times in their lives and they wanted to work on that, mm-hmm. where's a, a spot, where's a way you'd have them get started, Randy?
2: I would uh, point them to the simple truth that says building trust is a skill. Most people assume trust just happens in a relationship, right? Like some sort of relationship osmosis. The longer you're in relationship with someone, trust just naturally happens. Well, the reality is that trust is a skill. And we share a model in the book. We lovingly call it the ABCD trust model because it's an acronym that describes the four elements of trust. And If you go there and you read that simple truth about trust is a skill and, oh, there's a model that Mm -hmm. describes how I can build trust with people, what it means to be trustworthy, start applying those behaviors in your interactions with others, I guarantee you, you will build trust. Trust is a skill you can learn and develop.
0: Mm -hmm. We really dug into some of the key characteristics. Characteristics of a servant leader, let's do the same thing around mm-hmm. trust. What do you see some of the, the, the key characteristics of a, of a good trusting leader?
2: It goes back to that ABCD framework that we mentioned. Uh, a stands for able. Are you an able leader? Do you have the competence, the skills, the knowledge to be good at what you do? People trust you because you're highly skilled. The B stands for believable. Are you a person of integrity? Do you have honorable values? Do you live according to your values? Do you walk the talk? The C stands for connected. Do you care about others? Hallmark of servant leaders, right? Do you care about the well-being of the people you lead? And D is dependable. Do you follow through on your commitments? That's the number one way that we most often erode trust with others, right? Is we just fail to follow through on what we say we're going to do. So, if you can focus on as a leader being able, believable, connected, and dependable, use the behaviors that align with those four elements. You will build trust with others.
0: One of the key characteristics that you dig into one of the fifty-two is is uh, um, always tell the truth. Always, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, that really is where sometimes people can get some some trouble, right?
1: Yeah, and and people don't want to tell the truth because they're afraid that people will realize they don't know everything Mm -hmm. and uh, I think that your people realize you don't know everything and if you say it's a we culture not a me culture and together we're going to really cover each other Mm -hmm. on this thing and I need you as much as you need me wow then people start saying this is going to be kind of fun uh, to be and I think that's why people leave organizations it's not fun because everybody's sucking up the hierarchy.
2: Yeah, and I would add, when you find yourself in that situation where you're wanting to shade the truth or mm. spin the truth, you know, which we like to say, save spin for the gym, mm-hmm. not the workplace. You know, that's that's where you keep spin. Um, is use it as an opportunity to build trust. Admit your mistakes. Right? If you've shaded the truth and you're having to come clean with your team. Wow. What a tremendous opportunity to restore trust. So don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as a positive because when a leader stands up and admits that they made a mistake and they want to own up to it and make it better, that is tremendously powerful in rebuilding trust
0: so much of what we do at Blanchard and the programs that we do it kind of speaks back to one of my favorite things that I've shared when I talk to my clients especially around SL2 is you know leadership is 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 really the most important part about leadership is is not when you're in the room it's when you're not in the room mm-hmm. and so how does how does trust help impact the good behaviors when you're not there as a leader and and which is got to be ninety-nine percent of the time. Absolutely, yeah.
1: Well, we say the important thing about leadership is not happens when you're there; it's when, when you're not there, and that really is the key to trust. Because yeah. if yeah. you're not there a lot, which you aren't, what are they doing? Are they goofing off, or are they all getting mm-hmm. excited about moving forward and accomplishing the goals? And and also, uh, it's uh, it's so so key uh, that people realize that we're a part of a team. And when the boss isn't around, we're still a part of the team.
2: Yeah, that's right. One of the other simple truths we talk about is leaders go first in extending trust, right? For trust to even begin to grow in a relationship or in a team, someone has to make the first move. Leaders, you go first. It's your job to extend trust to your team. They will reciprocate it is not the team members' job to just blindly grant you their trust um, so it's really up to the leader if you want them performing at their best when you're not there you've got to show that you trust them
0: mm-hmm. and
2: extend trust to them first
0: one of my favorite parts about the trust model and kind of digging into that is is that you know belief that I share I know you you both share as well that you know we're we're not junk, we you know, we'll make mistakes from time to time. And so let's as we kind of put the you know, wrap up the trust conversation and, and start to pivot to, to finishing off this podcast. Trust is gonna be broken. Mm-hmm. Mistakes are gonna happen. The best leaders with the best of intentions are gonna are gonna goof up mm-hmm. and, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna knock the polish off the off the trust. And on the flip side of that people that have not been the best leader whereas they just haven't taken the time to sit back and provide the right leadership styles or, or be the right servant leadership leader at the time. So what are what are the steps that you would take? I'll lead off with you you Randy mm-hmm. and Ken, you provide some some additional commentary but if I've broken trust, what's the first thing I should do or what are some of the things I can do to get back on track?
2: The very first thing And we've seen this historically through the 12-step recovery process, right? Step number one, acknowledge that you have a problem. Mm -hmm. So many leaders simply don't want to acknowledge that they've broken trust, right? So you have to acknowledge it. You have to own it. And you can examine which element of trust did I erode, right? Was it that able, believable, connected, or dependable? And once you know that, then you can zero in on how you can fix it. The second step is you need to apologize, right? Ken wrote a book, The One Minute Apology, right? He can talk a little bit about that. But the key to any successful apology is acknowledging the harm that you caused the other person, right? An expression of remorse, however you do that. And then the third step is act. What actions are you going to take to change your behavior? Because you can be the best apology expert in the world. And I don't know, collectively between Ken and I, we uh, what, you and Margie have been married how many years? 60 next year. 60 next year. And it's going to be 33 for Kim and I. So, wow, 93 years of marriage. There's one thing that we are both experts in. It's apologizing, right? Because <laughs> we've goofed up a lot. Um, so, But you can be the best expert at apologizing. If you don't change your behavior and act differently, it's not going to do you any good. So acknowledge, apologize, and act are three key steps mm-hmm. to, that you can but take I think to restore trust. we need trust.
1: to get back to say that servant leadership is really built on trust. And servant leadership is really saying that... I'm here to serve Uh, we're on this team together it's not all about me my dad who retired as an admiral in the Navy said if you acted like you were a big deal with your men in battle they would shoot you before the enemy you know (laughs) and uh, he said that you sure in battle somebody's got to call the shots but uh, you're part of a team and he used to say that without his chiefs he would never been able to do his Mm -hmm. job And, Mm -hmm. and uh and so it's a, it's a matter of realizing that you need everybody around you and they need you. it's a it's a one plus one is a lot greater than two. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's close it out with the the question that the longtime listeners always know that's coming. Uh, so and I'll start with you, Randy, what is the the one thing? all the time that you've put into getting this book to 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 print with Ken, all the research, um, what's the one thing that you want? the listeners to kind of take away from our conversation today?
2: It may sound a little cheesy, but it really is keep it simple. You know, keep it simple. We get in our way way too much because we try to overcomplicate things, whether it's building trust or being a servant leader. Keep it simple. Go back to the foundational practices that are timeless that successful leaders have used throughout the centuries, we cover in this book. Keep it simple, and you'll be on the road to success.
0: Ken, how about you? What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away?
1: Uh, I, I kind of support that. It's about getting out of your own way and realizing that leadership is about a joint process, not your process. And realizing that Once vision and direction and goals and values are set, you turn that pyramid upside down and you work for your people. It's your job to get them an A average at the end of the year, Uh, not to sit down and evaluate and judge them. You know, that's not uh, your role. Your role is to help and cheerlead and be a part of the team.
0: I Love this. This has been so much fun. So, if uh, if people do want to dig a little bit deeper, obviously they're going to go out and buy the book. But if they want a little bit, dig a little bit deeper into what you learn, where would you send them, Randy?
2: I would send them to simpletruthsofleadership.com. That's our website for the book. From there, it's a launching pad. You can connect with Ken and I on social media. You can uh, purchase the book from your favorite. Book retailer, you can uh, learn more about the book, get a sample chapter if you want to give it a little test drive. You'll even get a special little video message from me and Ken.
0: So fun. So fun. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thanks for being a part of this this really great episode here in the studio of the, the, the Blanchard Leader Chat podcast. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow.